Today, as we have been indicating along the way, there has been an order and a plan for what we are doing. And the plan begins essentially with parents who are willing to dedicate themselves to raising their children for the glory of the Lord. And by the grace of God, those children coming to know Christ as Savior at a very young age. And uh, that would be our prayer for any of the children that we have the opportunity to know and to to interact with. Uh, We present the gospel in our Sunday school classes. We present the gospel in our Awana ministry. That continues on through the uh, junior high and the high school. And by the grace of God, these children accept Christ as Savior. And then they take the step of obedience. And they followed the Lord in believers' baptism, which five different individuals did that before you today. And then there is a process that begins when these young ones accept Christ and they go through the normal development of life. The Lord's hand is upon them. And and we've got a number of our teenagers down here, and I I think some are kind of scattered around at different places. And... The Lord is working in their hearts and lives. And many of them will be called by the Lord to become business people, to become housewives, to become stay-at-home dads, to become uh, factory workers, to become professionals, to serve the Lord in whatever area into which He calls and directs them. But then there will also be some that by the grace of God, He will set apart for specific tasks. And sometimes those tasks would involve being involved in missions. In other cases, the Lord may call some of the young men into the pastoral ministry. And uh, just to kind of keep the the flow and the the chain of events going, I want to share something with you today. Uh, None of you except maybe one or two people know this. But uh, last Sunday, I was given a note by one of our young men who expressed uh, appreciation for the ministry that we have here. And then as he continued in the note, he said that the Lord has placed his hand upon him to prepare and train for the ministry. And uh, I can tell you this, I am keeping that note the rest of my life. And I am deeply, deeply thankful to the Lord for what he's doing in that young man's life. And we will be praying for him as he pursues God's will. Then, sometimes, the individuals who are called to these specific tasks are prepared. And they are ready to embark on the task that God has called them to. We have that opportunity today to recognize in a formal way someone that has gone through this process, accepted Christ as Savior, followed the Lord in believer's baptism, was directed by the Lord to prepare and train for ministry, has been called by God into, at this point, what appears to be a very specific direction, but we know the Lord can change that, uh, though he may not. I mean, this may be the way things are going to go. So uh, you're going to understand more of that in just a few moments. But we are here today to give official recognition for something that we decided as a congregation a couple of weeks ago. And that was to follow the recommendation of an examining committee that we ordain David Calger to the gospel ministry. And today, 
We are going to recognize that formally. And what I would like to do is somewhat change the, the shift of the direction that we usually follow in opening up God's Word. And I am directing this to Dave before we have a time where this is going to be directed to the congregation. And I asked Dave and his wife, Cherith, if they would sit down here where I can look him square in the eyes. Now, one of the things that uh, I want to congratulate Dave about is he has just finished his uh, study and preparation and is being awarded the Master of Divinity degree uh, from Luther Rice uh, Seminary. And uh, he will not be uh, attending the commencement itself, but uh, you've completed all of the work, and technically it's just a, a technicality to, to give you the, the diploma. So he is now a, a master. Um, Cherith, do you understand that? Okay. The Lord gives some very, very specific direction to those that he sets apart for works of ministry such as what Dave is moving toward. His primary focus is not at this point in time to become the pastor of a church, but to serve the Lord as a chaplain in the United States Army. He has done that to a degree already and now has really advanced and prepared himself to go more deeply into that if the Lord opens the doors and gives him that opportunity. David, even though you're not technically going to be overseeing a church per se, you are going to have a congregation. You are going to have a group of individuals for whom you are going to bear a great deal of spiritual responsibility. And when we begin to understand that, now it becomes clear that the Lord has given some very clear direction and understanding as to what is involved with your watching over this flock that the Lord will give you. A group of army men and women. A group of individuals who perhaps in many ways will not know Christ personally. Some will. By the grace of God, many more will by the time they have had opportunity to be under your ministry. But in light of that, when we turn to the scriptures, we begin to find out exactly what it is that God requires of a person in that position. And in the book of Acts, the Apostle Paul has done a work for the Lord that has really caused individuals to accept and embrace the responsibilities that God has given them, not only as a congregation, but then, in a very special way, those who have been set apart as elders. And when you go to Acts chapter 20, and, and I, I think I've mentioned this uh, to the congregation before, Oftentimes, when, when you know you're saying your last words to a group, whether it be because of death that's going to be taking you very soon or because of a change in, in circumstances, you really try to focus on the things that are going to be the most meaningful and the most important. And the Apostle Paul is addressing a group of elders in the city of Ephesus, and he knows he's never going to see them again. He has loved them. They have loved him. His desire for them is that as he is now on his way to Jerusalem, and as we know, he's going to be arrested there, and eventually he's going to be taken to Rome, and there he's going to give his life as a martyr for the cause of Christ. 
But in this last encounter that he has with the elders, he tells them the things that are really most important. And in Acts chapter 20, we read this in verse 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. The first phrase really draws attention to what is going to be of utmost importance, that you are to watch yourself. Be careful about yourself. One of the things that is a great, uh, a great black mark on the cause of Christ and a, and a real detriment to the gospel is when men who have been set apart for the cause of Christ allow themselves to be drawn into behavior that is not befitting a person who is leading a flock. And in some cases, sadly, into immorality that will disqualify them from being involved in that work for the Lord. And so when God says, David, keep watch over yourself, there are some specific areas that are going to be very, very important for you to to keep specific watch over. Be careful to watch your morals. I, I think we're living in a day when maybe as never before we're seeing men of God fall into immorality and live lives that are displeasing to the Lord. In some cases, it involves adultery. In some cases, and this is becoming increasingly sad, it involves pornography. And it can involve any number of things that would be considered immoral. And so the first thing that God wants you to do is to watch your morals. Be very, very careful. Guard yourself. When the, when, uh, the Lord was speaking to, uh, through the Apostle Paul to Timothy, and by the way, you're going to find that most of the instruction that we refer to comes from First and Second Timothy because the Apostle Paul was writing to a young man by the name of Timothy who was set apart to fulfill the role of an elder. And so when we see the instruction that he's giving, it's really appropriate for what we're talking about today. And he says this, in light of some of the false doctrine that was being taught, the the greed that some of the the, uh, pastors, the elders, were falling into, and he said this, But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ's appearing. One of the things that by the grace of God you will be able to do is to go through your life and finish your ministry having looked back and said, I guarded my morals, I guarded myself. And that is your primary responsibility at this point. You want to stay in the place where God can continue to use you. But that's not the only area. Sometimes you're going to be confronted with situations which cause a reaction. And we've often heard people say things like this. It's not how we react, but it's how we act in response to things that come our way. And I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Sometimes, even in your role as a a chaplain, um, there are going to be people who are going to oppose you. 
And it's not unusual. It, the same thing happens in churches. And one of the things that the Lord says is, when they oppose you, there is a specific way that he intends for you to respond to their opposition. And so he tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 11 and verse 14, he says, that, or pardon me, wrong, wrong reference, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 24 through 26. And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all able to, pe- uh, to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition. If God perhaps will grant them repentance, so that they may know the truth, and that they may come to their senses and escape the snare of the devil, having been taken captive by him to do his will. What you will understand is that your battle is not against flesh and blood, even with those that oppose you. But the battle is really a spiritual battle. And it is Satan working through people who are going to try to sidetrack you from the responsibilities that the Lord has called you to perform. And so he said, here's how you respond. Gently, with humility, with patience, and you pray that God will deliver them from the clutches that Satan has upon their hearts and lives. And so your reaction is going to be very important and one of the ways in which the Lord expects you to guard yourself, to protect yourself. He also wants you to be protected from pride. Dave, you, you are a very gifted young man, and, and I think you know that. Um, I have appreciated the humility that you've demonstrated in knowing your capabilities. Uh, as a congregation, I have heard from so many of you how you have been blessed when Dave has preached very obviously a spiritually gifted young man who has worked very hard and who has studied very diligently. And so, Dave, here's something for you to keep in mind. You, as I just mentioned, are going to have people who oppose you. Keep this in mind. You're not as bad as they say. Okay? But then you're going to have people who love you and appreciate you and are going to tell you how much you mean to them, and what a blessing you are to them, how you have helped their lives, and how, how you've just impacted them for the glory of Christ. Remember this, you're not as good as they say. The Lord tells us to be very, very careful. And part of the reason why you have been prepared, and we don't just take a novice and thrust them into this kind of ministry because of what Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 6. Not a novice, lest being puffed up with pride, he fall into the same condemnation as the devil. You remember it was pride that caused Satan to fall. And be grateful for the gifts that God has given you and the capabilities, but never revel in them as if they're your own, because they have been given to you to use to honor the, the Lord Jesus Christ and to serve the people over which he is going to give you responsibility. And then he asks you to make a commitment in watching yourself. And here's something I want to caution you about. Your, your primary goal is to serve the Lord. He's got to be number one in your entire life. And I'm, I'm very sure that you've already come to grips with that. But your ministry is not the second most important thing. 
your family is, your wife, your son. These are the ones upon whom you must direct your attention, and so many men have allowed themselves to become so busy in doing things that people want that they have lost their families in the process. Uh, You've heard this said, the best gift that a man can give his son is to love his wife. And that's the truth. You love Cherith. You, You keep her as the apple of your eye. You love your son. Don't drive him to frustration. Care for him. Because, quite frankly, if you lose your family, you lose your ministry. It's that simple. You're not effective anymore. Then, your ministry. Your commitment to God, your family, and your ministry. And if you keep that straight, it will help you in a lot of decisions you have to make. And then finally, to be, to demonstrate clearly all of what we would call the Christian graces. Um, The military is not a particularly pleasant place to be sometimes. Um... You've probably heard words that most of us don't have to listen to every day, but you hear them all the time. You will hear the cursing of God's name. You will hear stories being told that are absolutely morally inappropriate. You are going to get pounded by the world and all the influence that it has. But greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. And if you demonstrate the grace of God, you will help these men and women who are living for today to understand the value of planning for eternity. And if you watch out for yourself, that will help you a long, long way in the ministry that God has called you to. But then there's a second part in that Acts passage where the Lord goes on to say this, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Now, here's something interesting, and you all should probably be aware of this. The, there are three different titles that are given to a person, to a man that's serving in the capacity of a pastor, or in your case, a chaplain. The first, verse, or the first word is an elder as you saw here in Acts, and again, back in 1 Peter chapter 5, there is a reference made to elders, which talks about the dignity. It's not talking about your age. It's talking about the dignity of not only yourself, but the position to which the Lord has called you. And then there's another word that's used, and you'll you'll see this in both passages, and these are used rather interestingly in an interchangeable fashion. An overseer. It's, it's the same word from which we get a bishop. It talks about the function that you have in serving the Lord and in ministering to the people. And then you'll also see the word shepherd, which is the word that we use uh, and, and translate for our language, pastor. Whenever you say pastor to me, you are basically saying shepherd. And so you, you hold these three positions Uh, very specifically in the role in which you're going to be functioning, and that puts certain responsibilities upon you. And the first is to feed the flock. In 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, we read this, Preach the word. Be ready in season 
and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. This is your responsibility, to preach the Word. You are going to have people telling you all these things that you ought to preach. In fact, probably the government's going to try to tell you that. And I know you're going to get around it. And we'll have to pray that the Lord will forgive you. Uh, I'm just kidding. There, there are things that in the military, uh, there are restrictions. There are, there are things that I as a pastor never have to deal with. But as a chaplain, but you're still allowed to preach what you believe and to declare the truth of God's word. Preach the word. And some of the people to whom you will be preaching, they will be babes in Christ. And you give them milk. Things that are easy to understand. But then some are going to be maturing. And then it's going to be your responsibility to give them bread so that they can continue to grow and be strong. And when they are mature, then you give them meat. And there are times you have to dig deeply into the Word of God. And sometimes it becomes very difficult to understand. Even Peter said that some of the things that Paul wrote were hard to understand because Paul was feeding meat to the mature. And that is the responsibility that God gives you. It is to preach His Word at every level of need that the congregation that God has given you where that need can be met. And then He calls upon you to protect them. Would you all turn with me to the book of Ezekiel? I want you to look at something here. And it's not very complimentary because it's talking about shepherds, the shepherds of Israel who were not doing what God had intended for them to do. And he says this, in Ezekiel 34, I didn't tell you the chapter, did I? Ezekiel 34, beginning at verse 3, at the end of the verse. He's speaking now to the shepherds of Israel. But you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled over them. That's a terrible thing to have said about you. And so when you look at the opposite of those, what the Lord is calling you to do is to strengthen the weak, and there are going to be weak people that you will have the opportunity to strengthen. When he talks about healing the sick, he's talking about not just physical illnesses for which you will pray and ask the Lord to provide healing, but it's also talking about the, the, the weaknesses and the injuries that are part of people's souls and their spirits. To bind up the injured, to bring back the strays. You're probably going to find in the military some young men and some women young women who have strayed far from things that they had believed earlier in their lives and to bring them back to search for the lost and then to protect them from false doctrine which is prevalent in the day in which we live. You protect them from those who would cause them harm. And then you pray for them. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor giving preference to one another. You pray for them. You 
set an example for them. Notice what it said back in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3. Not as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. That means in every part of your life, you need to be an example. Let me just stray from the the direction of, of David right now. But within our congregation, we've got an election coming up in the month of June, a month from now, where you will be choosing elders, you will be choosing deacons. These are individuals who must meet specific spiritual qualifications. And the qualifications for them to meet are described for us in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and in Titus chapter 1. And I would encourage all of you, before you vote, to be sure that the people for whom you are voting are fulfilling the requirements that God puts down for people who are going to serve in those leadership roles. You don't put a person in a role of leadership hoping that they will come around and become the people that God intends for them to be. They have to show first that they are the people whom God intends for them to be. They are going to have to be above reproach. They are going to have to have a good testimony among people outside. They're going to have to be faithful in the way they raise their families. They're going to have to be faithful to the Word of God. Even in their, the, the use of their material wealth, the way that they give and the way they support That has to all be exemplary of a person who's going to serve in a leadership role. And David, that's exactly what God requires of you. That you be faithful and you provide an example so that people not even hearing what you have to say will know where you stand by virtue of looking at how you live. And then you love them. You love those guys that swear those gals that might be immoral, you'll love them and you stand with them just like any pastor would his church. And one final thing, you have the responsibility to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who don't know him. To tell people how Christ died for them because of their sinfulness, how he was buried and rose again from the dead the third day and They need to trust Christ personally in order to find forgiveness and eternal life. Then the church has a responsibility. And I will say this very briefly. We as a church need to pray for David. We need to uphold him before the Lord because he's going to be facing some pretty tough situations. We need to encourage him because, believe it or not, there are going to come times of discouragement. Just like anybody else's life, there are going to be times of discouragement and we're going to have to stand with him in the work that he performs and in the tasks that he carries out as we love him unconditionally. And when we've all done that, you know what the Bible tells us? If you, if you will follow what you're supposed to do, do you notice back there at, at 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 4, it says, when the chief shepherd appears you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Folks, I hate to tell you this, but this isn't a a reward that you can get. But a shepherd can. The crown of glory. And you're going to have to give account for what you've said and what you've done before your congregation. And when the Lord appears, He rewards 
Will you join me in prayer? Father, we, we are so thankful for what you've done in David's life, and we pray now that as we proceed with this formal recognition that you would be glorified, that David would be challenged, and that his heart and life would be drawn into conformity with your purpose to watch over himself and to watch over the flock that he will be responsible for. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask David to come to the platform, and I'm going to ask the elders of our church if you would join me up here, please. David, stand right here. And I'm going to ask our elders to gather around. And we don't have this opportunity very often, but what a great opportunity this is to recognize God's hand on a young man that God has directed to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we are going to commit David into the Lord's hands and pray that God will keep him and use him and honor himself through David's life. Gentlemen, would you kindly place hands? And let's pray. Father, as we bow in your holy presence, we do so humbly recognizing that you are the God of all creation, that you are the true and the living God from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. And Father, in this realm of time, you have chosen to set apart for yourself and for your work men who are committed to the truth of your word, who love you, who love the people to whom you have sent them, and Father, as David has the opportunity now to carry the gospel of Jesus Christ into a world that will inevitably stand against what he's preaching, I pray that you would give him courage, that you would give him strength, that you would give him clarity of thought and mind. And Father, I pray that he would take a stand for the Savior that would impact the lives of the men and women over whom he will have responsibility. I pray that his life would demonstrate the beauty of Christ as he loves his wife and as he loves his son. And then, Father, I pray that you would protect him from temptation, protect him from sin, and use him in a mighty way to bring glory to yourself. We thank you that we have this opportunity to recognize what you have already done in setting him apart for your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, again, thank you. Um, it's a privilege. It's an honor. It's humbling. Um, I appreciate it, Pastor, the elders, uh, Grace Baptist, um, again, for the opportunity to, to work under the umbrella of Grace Baptist Church and in and, and this ministry and, and uh, Lord willing, serve in the chaplain corps. Um, you know, whatever the Lord blesses me with, you all have a, a role and a hand in that. And again, I uh, thank you for it. Thank you. If you'll all stand, please, I'm going to ask David to pray and dismiss us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, uh, for the opportunity to be gathered this morning. We thank you for the instruction from your word, Lord, from uh, what, what you've taught, uh, what's, what's there in the text, and from what Pastor brought out this morning, Lord, uh, ask that you'd help each one of us uh, to live as we ought to, uh, Lord, to be servants of Christ. And as we go out into the world, Lord, the, the, the different avenues and different venues of uh, mission fields that you've given each one of us. Lord, that we would be a light for you in dark places. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.